How's the bite? It's August, your weekly update on fishing in northeast Iowa, particularly on pools 10 and 11 of the Mississippi River. We originate from the mecca of Murray Outdoors under the Big Walleye on the south end of Guttenberg. My name is Ken Root. I'm joined by the proprietor and entrepreneur of Murray Outdoors, Bob Urban. Bob, did you know that the French don't even have a word for entrepreneur? They don't. No, that shows you how stupid they are, how weak they are, how unable they are to do things. Ken, that's my last name is French. <laughs> Where do you think the word entrepreneur came from? Uh, it's definitely French. It is. But there's a running joke that there are people, including a former president of the United States, George W. Bush, who made the comment one time that the French are so lazy, they don't even have a word for entrepreneur. I'm sorry that, we have to explain that joke. That died. So that's funny. I I knew it was. I just didn't. I just didn't know where you were going with it. Definitely French, and Urbane is definitely French as well. How many centuries ago did your ancestors come over? Do you have any record? This would be my grandpa's grandpa would have been a wagon builder, and he came over from France. And it's interesting enough, he is from the Bankston area and then moved to Placid, which is all Western Dubuque area. And my other grandpa was German. He's from, he was from Bankston. Big, big metropolis of Bankston. There's, uh, there's, there's about four or five houses there. It depends on the era. You know, I was looking at a map the other day of railroad lines in Kansas in 1880s, and it listed all these towns down the railroad. Two-thirds of those towns are no longer there because the times changed and the people moved somewhere else. They were not planted right there, you know, forever. People moved where the railroad was or where the river uh, boats were coming in. They they moved around. They had to to make a living. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you don't see these railroads anymore. How has your week been, Bob? Good. I've got a local Friday fisherman. I'm going to actually have you talk to him here for a second. He's yelling at me because he always needs a lot of water. Got a new minnow bucket I see, though. Yeah. Trying to get a lot of water because it's warm, and he wants a quarter, quarter. Oop, he's wondering so how big the crappie minnows are. translated into minnows, I take it. Yeah. Half. He's going He's going all smalls today. Tell me how's about crap, How's crappie fishing? He doesn't know. He hasn't been out. Oh, yeah, he had boat problems. What quality of minnows do you have, Bob? We just got them in from South Dakota, so they are frisky fatheads. That's good. People want good bait when they go out. Now, if you're going to put it in a minnow bucket, what do you need to do to keep them alive all day? Uh, this gentleman, I'm not sure if he has an aerator. He's got a five-gallon bucket. We sell the five-gallon insulated uh, container with it. And then sometimes they'll just throw a big thing of ice in with them but you're going to need an aerator on a day like today so yeah it's been a busy morning ken so far here well that's good uh that's what it's all about it's friday so do you want to give me a fix report as you uh after you always so you ring things up yeah can you hear us always <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh 
fishing report today, we're back to low water levels, and it's going to go back down to four foot. We were up to five, which was, I was joking around saying we're at, we're at flood level, but uh, five foot is uh, still pretty, pretty low. Um, just need to be careful when you're out there. Wing dams, again, it's going to be, it's going to be shallow on the wing dams. It's going to be shallow at the boat ramps. Uh, we don't want you backing off the ramp. Um, and most of these ramps are, aren't, uh, I was driving yesterday in Iowa and most of the boat ramps in Iowa on the rivers are sticking out of the actual river. So it's tough to get a boat in sometimes with that. So we're not seeing as many fishermen because of that and because of the heat. Um, we back up in the heat, water temperatures, 80 degrees, low water levels are going to push fish out into the main channels, current streams, stuff like that. Uh, perch bite has been good. And Ken, I'm going to tell you, you're getting pretty popular out there on the podcast. The first two customers that I had uh, were up today because they listened to last week's podcast. Wonderful. That is. Yeah. They're listening to us. Uh, they're they're trying new areas. Um, there's not water where they're at either. So they're coming up to the big river. We're complaining about no water. Some of these other smaller rivers you can't get a boat in. So Things are going pretty good. Perch bite's been good. Bluegill bite's been uh, decent. This gentleman was in a kayak. He's going to go try uh, some wing dams for bluegills and go above the dam and try the weed lines for the perch. That bite will get consistent, pretty consistent, and get better as our water temperature drops. I want to ask you a question about these boat ramps. And uh, what you're saying is exactly true with what DNR puts out each week on their reports of, uh, you know, don't back your wheels off the end of the ramp. Some places it's because they've dug out with the props and uh, scoured the area so that you fall off and your your boat is now on your trailer, mm-hmm. uh, I would say loose and ready to come off, and yep. your trailer is on the frame with the wheels so far down that if you pull forward, you're likely to tear up your axles coming out yeah even if even if you can get them you're pretty much putting your trailer up on blocks on the cement ramp is what it comes down to so that was my question what is the best way to gracefully get that trailer out of there you're assuming that you can unload the boat and it goes away now you just have you in the trailer which is a whole lot lighter but not exactly something you can lift on a on a bigger, longer boat. So bottom line, the safest way to do it is to have that partner with you, have two people. 90% of the guys, the retired guys that come in Friday mornings that are doing stuff, they'll have another buddy with them. That really helps you. If you're younger and you can, and and that's with age, you want to be careful because those ramps also have um, moss and stuff on them and they're a little slicker. But you want some sandals, you want to be able to get into the water you know, maybe not back your boat trailer up all the way. You can still get, a lot of folks will back their boat trailer in almost too far. Anyway, you can get your boat in off of there um, with the motor if you don't back up all the way. Just kind of got to guide yourself. The water's clear enough. You can actually see the end of the ramp sometimes. I would say the recommendation would be to bring a buddy or get somebody to help you um, when it starts getting four foot and, and lower. So, Well, my question, though, is after the fact, that you have run off the end. What do you oh. do? Oh, that's a tow truck, I'd say. Let the let the professionals do that. I don't I wouldn't start tearing stuff up. You can you can goof up a lot. Um if if you're stuck because you're gonna start slipping on the ramp as well, 
uh, with your tires if you're in four-wheel drive. I'd, I'd try four-wheel drive maybe for a little bit, and if you can't get it back up on there, just call a, call somebody to pull you out, basically. Well, let me give you a scenario. Your wife is in the truck, and you are in the boat, and she backs you off of there. Now, your marriage is in the balance. So you think about this. Uh, you've been there. What do you gracefully say to her that keeps your marriage intact and still doesn't tear your trailer up? Uh, that's tough. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that one. And that's, you could see that Saturday and Sunday, Ken, you know that. You could see that whole scenario. It doesn't even matter with the ramp. You can see that when they're backing jet ski trailers up or uh, a truck goes into the drink. That happened a couple couple weekends ago. Well, it's not necessarily just women that did it. One of no, them no, did. no. This was and this then, was the guy that did it. But I'm just saying there's there's some fighting back and forth and some stress mm-hmm. there. Whether it's your kid, whether it's yourself, uh, whether it's the wife, it's it's an interesting. You could you could learn a lot at the the, the community boat ramps. <laughs> okay, Bob, we handled that. You notice how I def- deflected that question. I'm not going to answer that. Let's talk about your shop here for a second. How are your uh, eight employees doing? We've got Larry and Dan and Ben that I can think of. Um, are they all still with you this summer, uh, taking turns, uh, waiting on and merchandising with customers? Yeah, we're pretty much down to one person now with the flowers and stuff. It's You'll see a lot more guys. The girls are taking some time off. They're on vacation. Busy on the weekends. We just have a lot of stuff. Produce is coming in. Peaches are supposed to be coming in this week. And then just seasonal stuff we'll be switching over to. We'll be getting the fall mums in for flowers. And fishing, obviously, that's just full-fledged. Campers are coming in. People are tournament fishermen are coming in. It's just been a busy summer for Guttenberg, if, if, and you would be able to testify to that. Just a lot of folks coming in. Fall is a really busy season for us uh, with tourists, leaf lookers. Fishing gets a lot better. We're going to really have a good fishing and good fishery here uh, this fall once the water temperature stops dropping. Everybody's just busy. You know, the peaches that uh, Beth used to get in from Arkansas are some of the most delicious because you really don't get a good peach in a grocery store. They're hard. But these peaches, they don't last too long, but, oh, my gosh, are they good. But I heard that Georgia washed out on peaches this year due to a uh, spring where they got uh, frost and then they got blood and they got issues. So uh, a peach crop may be pretty light this year in some parts of the country. It is. Um, And these peaches are actually from Michigan. First time we've ever gotten them, we're going to try to get them in. Missouri peaches, Colorado peaches, a lot of those peaches did get frosted, Ken. So um, what you see there is they don't do a wholesale market. They're just selling what they have to their local produce stands down there, the farmers. So we didn't get a lot of those to come north. Uh, so we're just we're going to see Michigan peaches. They did had a good crop, so we're going to see what they are. But they're tree ripened. You're right. Uh, most of the grocery stores they got to ripen there at the store, but they're already uh, ripe, ready to go when we get them. And and I would I would say it's like eating candy. To be it's it's they're really really good. They have a wonderful taste to them. We've got a couple of features today, Bob. Uh, one is uh, with J&L Marine, and uh, I talked to Megan last week uh, just asking her, as the person who's in the office and they have the three employees there working, what they're getting in on boats that have been 
damaged by this low water. And um, it's reality, and she states it pretty darn well. And then I also asked her about uh, what you should do to get ready to put your boat up this fall. I believe in talking about it now and doing it later. And uh, Megan has some really good advice. Well, at this time of year, we have a challenge sometimes with people keeping their boats running. Uh, And in low water on the Mississippi River and uh, other rivers across the state, uh, there is some risk. I'm joined by Megan from uh, J&L Marine in Guttenberg. And Megan, you and your husband and Bob, your mechanic, uh, see a lot of boats, don't you? We do. We definitely do. It's getting kind of starting to hit a little bit of a lull with everybody using their boats this year, but we are still staying pretty busy. What are you seeing of damage that people are doing uh, brought on by hitting things in the river due to the slow water? The biggest thing that we see is damaging the props or the skegs on the bottom of their motors. Um, The biggest damage, I think, would be the hitting the props um, because you're not only dinging up your props, but you also can do a lot of internal damage to the engine as well. Uh, Continuing to run it with a damaged prop is not a good idea, is it? No, it is definitely not. Um, Once you start damaging a lot of that internal uh, mechanics and gears, you can actually cause um, a lot more of an issue to the engine, which is just going to add up to a higher cost in the repair bill. Once you've damaged it, it's best to get it out of the water and and get it somewhere you say you're not as busy as you were. So uh, if somebody brought one in on Monday after a Sunday wounding, uh, could you potentially get it back to them by the following weekend? So depending on the amount of damage, we have multiple props in stock. It's always good to have a spare prop for any of your boats or engines just in case that issue would happen because we do not repair the props themselves in-house. We have a fantastic company that we send our props out to. They do a great job, make your props look like they're brand new. And then if you have your spare prop, you can still keep running your boat as long as there hasn't been too much damage to the lower unit. Megan, let's talk about moving on into the fall. You know, Some people uh, at Labor Day uh, are pretty much through boating. Other people go long as they can go. And uh, I'm always concerned with freezing of parts of my motor once I pull it out for the winter. And uh, winterizing to me seems to be a smart thing to do. Absolutely. Um, our biggest concern going into the fall is getting the boats that have the inboards um, winterized first because they actually do have a water system that can freeze. So we tend to run antifreeze through them pretty significantly. So those are usually our priority going into the fall. The outboards can stay a little bit later into the year. And so we tend to do those more towards the end of October through November. Um, They don't tend to have hoses that would keep the water in them. So we do like to run them on a winterized mixture that we have in-house and then um, ship them out. As long as they're going to be stored in a heated building, you can kind of push it a little towards Christmas snowfall time. As long as the air temperature stays below freezing for more than two days, you definitely want to make sure that you're getting your engine winterized. If it's just dropping down 
a little cooler, you can go a day. But as long as there's not a significant freeze, you want to make sure you're getting your engine in. Megan, what about pulling your battery if you're going to store it in a cold place? So I would recommend pulling your battery um, no matter what, just because you may have a draw on your power somewhere within your boat that you're unaware of. Um, so it's not a bad idea to pull that off for the winter months, just so that way when you go to start it in the spring, you don't come with a dead battery and you're ready to go. Um, if you have a charger, we can we recommend putting it on the charger over the winter. Uh, just trickle charge it all, all winter long. Don't let it go flat. Sure, yep. Well, Megan, I tell you, last year on my pontoon, which has just a 60-horsepower mercury on it, you work on mercury motors, brought it into you guys to get it winterized. Uh, you did it pretty quickly for me. I brought it in later on in the season, and uh, I put it in an unheated garage all winter. And this spring, when I pulled it out and I put my mo my battery back in, I put the, uh, I call them earmuffs, on to see if it would start when it was sitting on the driveway with water running through it. And it started first time. Oh, my gosh, that's a good feeling. <laughs> that is a good feeling. Yep, when you bring your boat in or when you schedule your winterize with us, we try to have it um, staggered through where we can get through them pretty quick. I actually have another employee. We hired a young guy um, starting this spring named Logan, so he's been helping us out. So we've been staying pretty ahead of a lot of our service work um, it's been kind of nice to have a couple extra set of hands around the shop. And so I think this year going into winterizing, as long as people are calling early enough getting on the schedule, we can make sure that we get it back to you in a timely manner. Um, a lot of places want to get their storage units filled up as soon as they can. And um, we want to get your boat into the storage so that way it's one less thing on your list of things to do. When you do bring your boat in for winterizing, like I said, we'll run it through a winterized mix. We will check the gear lube just to make sure that there isn't any debris or any milkiness in the gear lube. Um, if you haven't ch changed your water pump in a couple years, we can always do that while we're in there messing with stuff. And we recommend an oil change while we're in there doing it. So we have different rates set up for if you're doing a complete winterize, which might take a little bit longer, or if you're just going to do a short winterize without the oil change, we can get you in and out pretty fast, too. Jane Almarine in Guttenberg, and what is your phone number, Megan? 563-252-2020. All right. Very informative. Thank you very much, and uh, may you have a good uh, late summer and fall season. You too, Ken. Bob, I also talked with uh, Vance Gordon, who's a friend of yours, who's a fishing rep, interesting man. Uh, some of the folks might know Vance. He's a big bass fisherman, um, really from the Lansing area. He's got a place up there. He was the St. Croix rep for years for Beth when she was here, but now he reps uh, Gamagatsu, uh, Big Bite Baits. He used to do them. Um, I think they just got bought out. And he does Spro, Gamagatsu, and a few other uh, Sunline uh, reps for a, a small company out of Iowa here. And uh, I get to see him quite a bit. He'll stop in the store, but uh, just knows the industry and knows that side of the industry, which a lot of folks don't get to get to see or know.
Well, I've been in the tackle, the sporting goods industry for 30-some-odd years, I guess, now, and uh, worked for um, several different companies. Right now, I work for a mine manufacturer called Sunline America. It's a premium Japanese manufactured fishing line. Uh, I work for AFCO, which is American Fishing Tackle Company. They're a manufacturer of uh, quality uh, outdoor clothing, Pro and Gamakatsu, which are sister companies, Gamakatsu being the, probably the largest hook company in the world. And Spro um, is the kind of the lure side of the Gamakatsu uh, company. I work, also work for Denali Fishing Rods in Mountain Home, Arkansas, and they have a complete line of uh, fishing rods and, and reels, too, now. Vince, what's the most fun thing you've done in your professional life? I, I guess going to the ICAST show, uh, which is uh, the largest fishing tackle show in the world, and it's where all the manufacturers exhibit their products uh, for the uh, retail dealers and uh, media personnel in the industry. And uh, for several years now, it's been held in uh, Orlando, and um, it's at the Orlando, Orlando Civic Center. And a uh, gigantic building, um, uh, previous to that, it was always in Las Vegas at the Las Vegas Convention Center. Uh, that was that was um, very challenging, but uh, a lot of fun too. Meeting a lot of new people, and uh, the fishing tackle industry is it's a very large industry, um, billions and billions of dollars of sales each year. But it's actually a real small group where you get to really know a lot of the other reps that are in the business, and uh, that's been a, a nice association over the years. Vance, give me your um informed perspective on what it takes to become one of these elite bass fishermen. Uh, is it equipment? Is it skill? What does it take to make a person one who can produce and catch the big bass at the right time? It's a combination of all the things, uh, skill, uh, equipment, um, but just just determination, just having the a dream that, uh, you know, you want to be a professional angler. And uh, a lot a lot of the professional anglers now come out of the college ranks. Um, it's not real known to the, the fishing public, but there is a tremendous, been a ter- tremendous growth in high school and collegiate fishing teams. And uh, there's, there's universities like Auburn University that um, have uh, field bass fishing teams and, uh, they uh, offer scholarships to anglers to come to the college and uh, be on that team and, and help with their education. Vance, I had no idea that there were actually college scholarships for fishing, but I'd be curious as to why you think that young persons who don't have the vast experience of people like us who could be really good fishermen. Uh, well, I think it's their youth. Um, you know, uh we all made a lot of mistakes when we were younger, and uh, so when you're youth, uh, you're you're immortal. When you're young, I should say, you're immortal. Uh, you you're willing to tackle just about anything. As we get older, we maybe not as likely to tackle things, but uh, it's just their exuberance and their energy level. Uh, they can uh, uh, transfer that into knowledge, 
and uh, become very proficient fishermen in uh, uh, a big hurry. There, there's actually a high school, national high school tournament going on in uh, at Lake Hartwell, South Carolina right now that I have a couple guys that I know are fishing with down there with their sons. Uh, they're not, the, the parents aren't fishing. They just uh, drive the boat and uh, the anglers actually compete in the tournament. But there's 480 boats in that tournament at Lake Hartwell. I have asked people why they ride bulls and why they play football. And um, if you get right down to it, uh, many of those guys will tell you it's for the women. Uh, is the same thing uh, happening with these young fishermen? I don't know. I, I don't think so. I don't think there's a uh, uh, a bass groupie uh, ladies. But there are a lot of female anglers anymore, believe it or not. So that's part of it. Well, uh, what's your uh, future role going to be in this industry? It sounds like you have a huge amount of knowledge, but you've kind of slowed down on your activity. What do you plan to do this year and into the future? I will continue on uh, representing our product lines in uh, the territory that I have right now. Uh, um, I helped develop the product lines in uh, about an eight-state area when we started our uh, the company was started and uh, was fortunate enough to uh, have enough growth in those areas that we could uh, replace myself with a full-time person who could be in those states. Uh, say, for example, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and the Dakotas are a territory that we have a rep that covers now. And then uh, the, the mink states, which means Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, we have another rep that covers that. But I, I cover particularly Iowa now, a couple of Wisconsin accounts, and I have a real good friend in Minnesota who is a very big customer of ours that uh, we do a lot of custom plastic injection for. And where are you based, Vance? I live in Marion. In Marion, Iowa? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, right outside Cedar Rapids. Yes, yep. Well, it's really good to talk to you. I hope that you're able to uh, get out and enjoy the outdoors here and uh, stay cool. I've had a place at Lansing, Iowa, on Pool 9 for ah, 20 years or so, I guess, and uh, that's predominantly where I fish most of the time anymore, except in the fall. I still like going to Guttenberg, like going into the Bob shop at uh, Murray's Bait and Tackle and uh, uh, looking at all the equipment that he has to offer there to his customers and uh, really like the walleye fish in the fall in that Guttenberg area. Well, Bob, you are open seven days a week at Murray's Outdoors there on the south end of Guttenberg under the big walleye, six to five on Monday through Saturday, six to three on Sunday. I hope that we have a good month of August, and I'm eager for it to lead into better fishing as we move into the fall. Yeah, it should get better, Ken. That's what I keep saying all the way up to uh, ice. should be a really, really good fall for us. All right, you take care. Thanks, Ken. Have a good weekend.